Hello, welcome to Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill, and this is episode 28, uh, Rene Descartes' Manipulated Mind. The guy was a genius, right? Pretty much. And uh, critical thinking has nothing to do with the disgusting, racist, and bigoted critical theory, just so we're clear on critical thinking versus critical theory. Critical thinking is good. Critical theory is bad. And intelligence is also not the same thing as critical thinking. If we define intelligence as, you know, to be good, how good someone is with visual, spatial problems, math problems, pattern recognition, vocabulary questions, and, you know, visual searches. Whereas critical thinking is thinking rationally, judiciously, open-minded, logical, uh, able to detect attempts to persuade using fallacies. So they are two different things. They're very closely related and very intelligent people. Even those who know about critical thinking can be very illogical when it comes to reasoning. This goes to all of us are susceptible to being manipulated, even the most intelligent among us. And those who do not think that they are susceptible to being manipulated are obviously not the most intelligent among us. For example, Rene Descartes. Uh, I think, therefore I am, right? That's who this guy was. He came up with that. He, uh, he famously came up with that in order to find his first causes of knowledge, or as uh, Elon Musk calls it, first principles. Principles or first causes, maybe I'll call them first principles to emphasize the routineness or the base levelness of the concept in the fashion of Elon. <laughs> so Descartes assumed knowledge must be deduced from first principles, and his first principles must satisfy two conditions. The first condition is that they must be so clear that the human mind cannot doubt their truth. And the second principle is the principles need to be first known in order to understand knowledge. So sounds good. Maybe, maybe not, right? When you start thinking about it. So I made a podcast earlier about phantom connections and I didn't even mention the words verisimilitude or paralogism or sophism in the podcast because words like that can make people's eyes glaze over. But we really need to understand these concepts, you know, the, the concepts behind these words when we're trying to defend ourselves from the dark arts of manipulation. Perhaps we've been conditioned to glaze over when we come across certain words or concepts like manipulation and perhaps why nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> so... A, uh, a phantom connection is when all the information you have leads to a conclusion, but that conclusion turns out to be wrong. So all the information you have leads to it. Oh, that makes sense. Sure, it makes sense. But that's a phantom connection because it turns out it's not true, even though all the evidence points towards it. So there was no error in your reasoning if you only presume knowing your conclusion is tentative and not certain. So there's not a fallacy made if you make the connection, but are not certain of that connection, right? So if you make the connection, everything points to this. So that is a logical, maybe not logical, that is a plausible 
claim to make based on all the evidence we currently have, knowing that it may not be, right? So that's, there's a phantom connection. So that's, you know, makes sense. And then there's paralogism, paralogism. When someone believes their reasoning is valid, but they've actually made an illogical faulty conclusion, in which case there was an error in their reasoning. They came to a false conclusion and they think their reasoning is valid, but it is not. So that's different from a phantom connection. A phantom connection is you didn't make any flaws in reasoning. You just, uh, you made a presumption that everything points to that direction, but I'm not certain of it. So therefore it's a phantom connection. Paralogism is you made a flaw in reasoning and you're, so you're wrong. It's essentially just being wrong, right? You believe your, your reasoning is valid, but you've made an illogical faulty conclusion. So that brings us to sophism, sophistic, sophistic, who sounds a lot like sophisticated, right? Sophism is uh, plausible, but f uh, fallacious argument. So it, it seems right, but it, it's usually, it can, and it's, a, it's a deceptive and a fallacious argument or a false argument based uh, or for the purpose of deceit devised, created for deceiving people. Sometimes it's a uh, logically false augmentation. Augmentation means to add to, you know, when someone adds something false to a valid argument to make it invalid in order to deceive somebody. So someone has knowingly made a false claim and is trying to deceive you with their false argument. That's being sophistic or sophism which is different from a paralogism because you're just making a mistake. Sophism means you are making the mistake intentionally in order to deceive other people. And then that brings us to verisimilitude, very similitude. Veris means true and similitude means similar. So it's very similar to what? The truth. It's similar to the truth. If it's similar to, similar to the truth, it is not the truth. It is similar to it. That means it is not it. Therefore, it is not the truth. It is similar to the truth. Verisimilitude is often used for manipulation. You can, you can have a lie and then make another lie even more outrageous and then simply claim that the first lie is closer to the truth than the second. Therefore, it is more credible. We know this is not the case. It's not more credible they're both wrong it does not mean that it is plausible or credible credible yet you hear people conflating verisimilitude with plausible or credible because it's not as outrageous as some other one knowing that they're false if it's false and it sounds closer to the truth doesn't mean it is the truth it means fiction that sounds similar to the truth but it is not true you will find people also saying mean saying that it means authentic or credible it is not authentic <laughs> it is not credible it, it is something that is false something that is false is not authentic something that is false is not credible it may appear credible but it is not we do not hear people using the word verisimilitude too often you know in normal conversation on the streets though in proper contexts we should be hearing people use these words more often right so Rene Descartes, he knew the concepts of paralogisms and sophisms and verisimilitudes well. 
How do I know this? Because he wrote about them. He knew the concepts of logic, syllogisms, and fallacies. He came up with the the Cartesian plane and the coordinate system and, and many other things in math. He was a very intelligent guy, but he was also taught by the Jesuits. When I read what he wrote, I cannot help but wonder if his irrational thinking was intentional or some kind of a secret code, or perhaps someone edited his work afterwards, or he self-edited it to appease the religious authorities, or he was brainwashed and didn't see his own fallacious thinking when it came to religion. I have no hard evidence to the contrary, and since his core tenet of his first principle is a fallacy, I will assume that he did write it and these were his thoughts. We can learn a lot about the power of manipulation in, you know, in an otherwise or uh, not ordinary and an otherwise intelligent man by seeing how somebody of this guy's intelligence who came up with these concepts was fallacious in his thinking when it came to other things. So this guy was, you know, so intelligent. We're talking about him still 400 years later. We can look at how his otherwise very rational mind performed fallacious mental gymnastics to try to reason out uh, what he was conditioned to believe. We need to take this guy in context. You know, people were still being taught, you know, the ancient Greek philosophies of Aristotle and, and the rest. And it was essentially Descartes that broke our collective thinking away from the dogma of that. So to crap on him too much, you know, for his fallacious thinking, it was, you know, 400 years ago. And he was taught by the creepy Jesuit cabal, right? So got to give him some slack here. If you're unfamiliar with the creepy globalist cabal of the Jesuits, I suggest reading uh, some writing from Abraham Lincoln. He warned us about them. And, or John Adams, who's the second U.S. president. He wrote warnings, uh, you know, and there's dozens of other you know, notable great leaders you know, great thinkers over the past few centuries who wrote warnings about these guys. And yet we don't really talk about that or think about it too much, which kind of makes you think that maybe they won, right? Their influence is such that we don't talk about them, right? Or the warnings from people like Abraham Lincoln and, and, and John Adams and all the rest. But in the context of Descartes being taught by the Jesuits, you know, he, it may had an adverse effect on his faculties, his reasoning. Descartes does not, he, he mentions uh, schoolmen. He refers to them as schoolmen and their syllogisms with an apparent disdain. You know, is that his mind or is that the mind of the Jesuits? Regardless, his otherwise brilliant mind succumbed to the blatant logical fallacies at his very first principle, his primary principle <laughs> the number one right which is that which is clear to the human mind is the truth so just because something is clear it's true according to Descartes which we know is not this is a blatant fallacy he didn't maybe know about phantom connections but he knew about paralogisms verisimilitudes and sophisms he knew right so how how could he get it so wrong and his first primary principle, just because something is clear, doesn't mean it's true. But he's claiming because something is clear, because you can see it with clarity, it's true. 
Well, that is not the case, right? And he had this, uh, an apparent hate on for the Greeks, the Greek syllogisms, claiming they only explain what one already knows, which we know is, is a fallacy, his claim, because if one is given a, a conditional that is true, that is, you know, and the, there's an affirmation of the antecedent or a denial of the consequent, one can deduce what is true using sound logic using the Greek syllogisms. And you think, well, no, you know, there's, there's nothing true in logic. Oh, yeah, Boolean logic. Think about that. Truth tables. You know, we logic works. Coding works. We can prove it works because we can make programs that work. It's objective. It doesn't matter what you want to believe. It works. So it doesn't just show you something that you already know. You can deduce things. The proof is computers, right? They don't just tell us stuff we already know. We can use this this to, you know, extrapolate weather forecasts. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff we can use, you know, the, to step up using logic to deduce truths. Given this fact and this fact, what actually happened? It's not something we already knew. <laughs> but uh, Descartes, he, he should have known this if the Jesuits had taught him properly. But they can't have taught him this because they taught him that there was a God and which defies logic, right? You need to use belief over knowledge. So this is what I think apparently short-circuited Descartes' mind and led him to his fallacious thinking, like uh, HAL 9000 in 2001, A Space Oddity by Stanley Kubrick. You know, if you haven't seen it, maybe you should. It's a good old movie. What would have... Uh, Descartes come up with had he not been handicapped so by his conditioning I don't know maybe something way you know blow our minds kind of thing he had four degrees of wisdom his he made this little list and his first degree of wisdom is a notion so clear that it can be uh, acquired without meditation his second degree of wisdom is knowledge acquired through experience of the senses. His third degree of wisdom is we learn from intercourse with others. Intercourse as in communication, not sex. His fourth degree of wisdom was reading good books. <laughs> and he didn't have a fifth degree of wisdom, but he claims there was divine revelation but chose to not include it among his degrees of knowledge because it can it apparently can hit anyone by a stroke all at once. And that is somehow reason to exclude it from his degree of wisdom. Doesn't make sense, right? So again, his logic is flawed here. His first degree is essentially pondering. His second degree, which, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pondering. We can't learn from pondering, right? But And his second degree is through the senses, which logically includes his third, third and fourth degree, which is, you know, talking and reading with other people, you know, reading, talking with other people and reading, you know, good books. So these are using our senses. And if you, uh, and even the first degree of, of pondering, it depends on if you define thought as a sense. So essentially all his degrees of wisdom are, you know, wisdom is acquired through the senses. 
But this is also not the case because there's instinct. How do birds and butterflies know things? How did they get that knowledge, right? They didn't read it. They didn't talk to other butterflies and birds about it, right? They didn't have intercourse with other animals to discover this, right? So, right, we know this is, we can prove that there's there's something else here. So reframing his, his four degrees of wisdom or, or uh, knowledge is acquired just through your senses. But his most famous thought is sound. He said that if you can doubt your your existence, that proves that you exist thinking, right? I think, therefore, my mind exists. The fact that I doubt proves that I exist, right? Which is logical. So yeah, that right. His, his religious te- teachings, uh, how he was taught, his not, not his teachings, how do I word this? Him being taught religion keeps popping up. Uh, he said, since we are humans, you, you could see it, right? He's like, since we are humans, we are imperfect. We are imperfect since we do not know all truth. And therefore, we cannot make a perfect thing. But we can clearly make perfect things. Uh, a perfect thing is how you define a perfect thing. You could have a perfect fart. You know, we can make a calculator that adds two plus two and gives us the correct answer of four. Or perhaps we could create lines of code that give us the infinite equalities that equal four, three plus one, 256 minus 252, or two to the power of four halves. You know, we can make something that does that. And it's all about your definition. How do you define perfection? And how is he defining perfection? Humans are capable of creating a perfect thing, and his assertion that we can't is a fallacy. And he should have known that, but it conflicts with his religious conditioning that only God is perfect. That's an assertion by the Jesuits to him that only God is perfect, therefore we are not. So he's starting to use a little bit of logic there. Right, but his the, the the first assumption, the first assertion there is wrong. So he's he's his foundation is is faulty. It's a castle built on sand. So he uses the word perfect a lot, and at times he he's using the alternate definition of perfect, meaning absolute, as in a perfect stranger. They're an absolute stranger. They're not the the perfect stranger. How you you know you're how you define what a stranger is. They aren't, you know, you know what I mean, right? It means absolute stranger. Which leads me to think that he may have been a bit of a trickster. It's possible. He may have been uh, including hidden subtexts in his writing or, or secret meanings or inside jokes or, you know, or, you know, well, there were a few other words like this too. It, it could have also been that just he was, you know, it was written so long ago and they spoke differently and it was translated from French into English. I don't know when the translation occurred, but he also claims that we humans cannot be gods because if we were, we have made, we would have made ourselves immortal with infinite knowledge. This is a wild assertion like based on nothing. It's fallacious. And anyone who's made a video game or even played video games knows that God mode gets boring fast. And what makes the game exciting is the stakes. 
being able to lose something of value. The more valuable it is, the more exciting it is. So being able to lose your life makes the most or makes life the, the most exciting possible. So as gods, if we were making ourselves and wanted some excitement, we would not use God mode. So Descartes at times seems oblivious also to the concept of time. He claims that absolute perfection is the sum of all possible perfections. Well, what about the, the perfect shade of a tree? You know, perfect things may not last. Perfection may be dynamic and there is no static absolute perfection. But his claims like that are just baseless assertions. There's no logic. There's no reasoning. There's no evidence. And, and later he describes the concept of duration. So he's fully aware of the concept of time. You know, obviously, from considering who the guy is, he came up with, you know, the Cartesian coordinates with length, depth, width, time how long something lasts, right? He knows these things, but so what is he? Is he being intentionally sophistic? Sophism? Is he trying to deceive us? He's clearly capable of making that simple connection because he does in some of his, his descriptions, he talks about time, but then he doesn't make that connection later on. So his logic is like helter skelter. And it always seems to go off the rails. His logic goes off the rails every time he starts talking about God or proof of God or anything that leads to that. His his fault is that he's trying to use a method of knowledge to a system of belief. They are incongruent as knowledge requires the capacity to let go of beliefs, which Descartes does, but what... <laughs> but with, with everything but his belief of God. We see this in science all the time today. These people have their beliefs of the dogma of the day and they do not let go of it. You know, they're supposed to be science. They're supposed to be scientists, right? People say, oh, believe the science. I'll believe it when these assholes start behaving like scientists. So he dances around logical inconsistencies and, and desperately asserts, asserts, um, irrational claims. He claims everything God's make God's. He claims everything God makes is perfect. And you know, cause he can't make mistakes like a watchmaker. And then later claims that God made humans, but humans make mistakes. And this logical inconsistency forces him to make an unfounded assertion that he Descartes must be responsible for his mistakes because of free will. So now he's just, well, it's got to be free will. So you're still making mistakes, you motherfucker, right? So this free will was made by God, right? And that algorithm is flawed and prone to make mistakes. So, I mean, it's just these assertions and his justifications and his illogic is just crazy. He also asserts that to imagine that God does not exist is as, is as absurd as to imagine a triangle that has not three angles. So he tries to make a point about how absurd it is to imagine that God does not exist, but his comparison is absurd. Descartes is only demonstrating how Descartes, Descartes is only demonstrating how flawed his logic is by making such an absurd comparison. The claim is not even a complete thought. It's, it's a non sequitur. He claims an assertion is true because a definition of something else. 
It's literally, <laughs> there is no logical connection between his assertion and the definition of a triangle. It's like saying flying monkeys are as real as pi being the ratio of the diameter of the circle, the, the circumference of a circle. Or that witches exist just as two plus two equals four. There's no, you know, I'm not saying there isn't any God or, you know, the, the, or sentience in higher dimensions. I'm saying Descartes, Descartes, who is otherwise a very logical mind, loses all logic when it comes to something he was conditioned to believe. He has no problem letting go of any of his other beliefs, you know, that he organically chose to believe throughout the course of his life. But for some reason, he cannot let go of the belief he was conditioned to believe from an external source, presumably the Jesuits. Maybe his parents do. I don't know. But what's even more spooky is not that Descartes is not recognizing his fallacious reasoning, but he's so proud of it that he actually wrote about it to some dude called Marseille saying, I dare not boast that I have found proof of the existence of God, which I find fully satisfactory and by which I know God exists more certainly than I know the truth of any geometrical proposition. You, know, you might be tempted to call him an idiot at this point, but Descartes was clearly not an idiot. He is a target of you know that was successfully conditioned and and that's the point of this podcast the original thinker who invented analytical geometry trusts his fallacious intuition to a higher degree than deductive reasoning while being fully aware of the concepts of logical fallacies and even mentioning them when he bumps into them some of the time either the power of conditioning is very powerful or he was fully aware and was intentionally trying to deceive his readers. Maybe he was being sophistic. It's interesting how sophistic means intentionally deceptive, while sophisticated means complex or worldly. They both come from the Greek, what is it, sophistes, sophistes, <laughs> sophistes, which means the master of one's craft or clever so sophistic means clever deception using you know or, or sophisticated means you're clever and your worldly thoughts experiences i guess descartes also claims that god is perfect and therefore cannot deceive based on what more random baseless assertions his definition of what perfect is based on what how did you get that definition right but of anyone, he should know better. The solution that his mind came up with was to create his main tenet that he, because he asserts that there is a God, we can therefore place confidence in the veracity of any clear and distinct ideas we conjure. So more claims that, you know, do not follow logically in this case the first is unfalsifiable and the second is just plain wrong he reasoned that if one makes a shadow connection it is true because he asserts that there is god this, this is the logic he's using it's my grandfather used to say shit 
very shit. It's amazing that someone of Descartes' proven intellect can come up with this. This demonstrates that brainwashed people are still capable of otherwise logically thinking that is beyond the scope of their conditioning, but they can be blind and mentally handicapped when it comes to something that they've been conditioned about, their conditioned beliefs. Even a man as logical as Descartes or Einstein, he's another example. Amazing inconsistency of the use of logic. Descartes had a great creative and independent mind with the capacity to see how the dogma of the day, the Greeks, was flawed, but that he was not self-critical enough to all his own fallacious thinking, even though that's what he's known for. (laughs) I, I think, therefore I am, and I will refuse everything else and then build up from first principles, right? So he's had the capacity. This is his, his, his own theory to scrap everything, build up on first principles, except that there is a God, right? That supersedes his, his conditioning by the Jesuits superseded his logic. I mean, this guy wasn't perfect. Obviously he, he, he had his, his physics, Descartes physics, and it was a lot of shit. It was crap. And it was quickly superseded by Newton's work. Not to say that Newton was a slouch. That guy was pretty smart too, but Descartes did have a lot of flaws in his logic that came up and finally bit him in the ass, right? When it came to physics, <clears throat> perhaps it was his rejection of the Greek dogma that led to his failures in logic, like how he, he, he dis- disregarded it all, right? He, he, all the syllogisms and he wanted to start, you know, fresh and anew. So he just rejected everything, but then cherry picked, uh, what logic to use, you know, when it was opportune and that probably would have been, well, that was a bad idea, but sc- starting from scratch, not a bad idea. But then he just allowed the, the the faulty thinking of his beliefs to flop in and, and pollute his, his reasoning. So Descartes' major flaw was trying to fit the occult uh, belief, his God, into his first principle of knowledge. So you can't mix beliefs in with knowledge. Belief is, you know, objective reality. Not belief. Knowledge is objective reality. Belief is subjective, whatever you happen to believe, right? So Descartes broke things down to their first principles in order to be able to control and predict its behavior, but underestimated the complexity of complex systems. The evolution of complex systems from first principles is a reasonable path, but the feedback of objective reality that evolution follows is too complex for us to predict with ourselves without ourselves interacting with the feedback of objective reality. This is the same fallacy of thought that has been and still is used today by socialists, Marxists, and anyone who wants to centralize power and control. Complex systems are too complex and beyond their limited minds, but they are too arrogant and ignorant. So they're too arrogant and too ignorant to believe that their hubris uh, always ends at the death of millions and millions of innocent lives throughout history and potentially the future, potentially our future. 
So the bias of hindsight does not mean we can predict the future. Sure, we can extrapolate, you know, a few iterations, but chaos eventually takes over. Our theories and our models are not reality. Descartes wrote about, you know, thoughts coming from God. Everybody's thoughts, you know, your thoughts come from God. But if there is no God, where did these thoughts come from? Were they already in our heads and we just accessed them? You know, birds, again, the uh, the Jung's idea of uh, the, the social consciousness or, you know, instinct. Where does that come from? Perhaps it's some complex system of chemical reactions in our white and gray matter, you know, that gives us an image of thought. You know, why, why would we evolve to have the capacity to be so easily uh, wrong and, and have a, a tendency to resist correcting our false judgments? How would that benefit us evolutionarily? Or, or if there was a God, why would God give us the capacity to be so easily wrong? Right? Descartes claimed concepts of substances contain more objective reality participate through representation in a higher degree of being than those which represent only modes or accidents. So let me rephrase this a little bit. He claimed that the thought of a thing was more real than the thought of a way of thinking. Is this objectively real? Should he have known? No, it's not real. Why? Because the objective the, the definition of objectively real is existing independent of the mind. Our thoughts cannot exist independent of our mind. Again, Descartes surely knew the definition of objectively real. And yet here he is, either you know apparently trying to deceive us or making an obviously illogical statement. So it's plausible that his illogic was either due to intentional deception on his part or a short circuit in his reasoning due to his conditioning and beliefs in God. Descartes claimed there must be as much reality in the cause of something as in its effect. So he just asserted this. Why? This This is clearly illogical. If a thought can cause something to do something, which happens all the time, and thoughts are not objectively real as they cannot exist independent of the mind as per the definition of objectively real, that unreal things, thoughts, can clearly cause something that is more real, an effect in our objective reality. So therefore, it's not that Descartes is a little wrong here. He is arguing the exact opposite of what is true according to the definitions we use and he used. And it's a simple logical exercise of, you know, of thought here to to prove it. So clearly thoughts are something. Uh, But do they exist in objective reality? Well, not according to the definition. So where then do our thoughts exist? We are entering into the woo-woo subject of consciousness, imagination, dreams, and hallucinations, hallucinations, phantasms, and where thoughts come from. Thoughts, perceptions, imagination, emotion, these things clearly exist. But if not in objective reality, where? Disassociated with objective reality. 
in our subjective reality. Well, where is that? According to Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone, in the dimension of mind. Descartes claims there is more than one objective reality and then differentiates them from formal reality. Formal reality, I'm assuming, has something to do with form. So we really need to get what his definitions. You know, he claims that ideas must come from somewhere, which is true. Ideas must come from somewhere. But from where? I don't know. From some quantum decoherence and some neural tubules. You know, if you ask a neuroscientist, they'll probably just give you some vague shit like it's a neural process. <laughs> you know, I don't know where the fuck they come from, but I'm going to say it's a neural process. You know, after all these processes, processes, after all these centuries, we still don't know. But this is beyond the scope of the podcast. Perhaps I'll take it up in another. Descartes claims that our thoughts that are flawed are wrong because they are not faithful representations of the thing from which they were drawn. What's he basing this on? So, I mean, like, ah, the inconsistencies of this guy's logic. The fact that he was trained by the Jesuits who apparently seek power and Descartes claims the ability to deceive is a mark of power is a bit spooky. But he does cover his butt by saying the desire to deceive is a weakness or malice. But if he was trying to deceive, would he say that to try to cover his butt? He also claims that, you know, his, his judgment was given to him by God. And therefore, his judgment cannot be wrong since it was given to him by God. He then says that, you know, he is between God and nothingness. And so he should not be surprised that he makes mistakes. <laughs> then he claims that if he is deceived, God wants him to be deceived. But earlier he claimed that God is perfect and wouldn't want people to be deceived. And God would never deceive someone. <sighs> he claims there may be an infinite of things in the world of which I have no idea in my understanding. It cannot be said that on that account, my understanding is deprived of these ideas. <laughs> you hear that? So he thinks that, you know, he may not know things, but because he doesn't know things, it can't be said that he doesn't know them. Like this, <laughs> right? I think he might've been smoking some of the mean herb, right? But I'll finish off with one of his thoughts that is rational. The necessities of action often oblige us to make a decision before we have had the leisure to examine things so carefully. It must be admitted that the life of man is very often subject to error in particular cases, and we must, in conclusion, recognize the infirmity and weaknesses of our nature. <laughs> 